0: Keep it re- Father, I thank you. I thank you for the opportunity to gather together as your people. I thank you, Father, that we can worship and adore you together. I thank you, Father, that we can celebrate two changed lives who desperately need you every single day but are unashamed to proclaim that they love you. Thank you, Father, for your word, which convicts us and inspires us and strengthens us. Today, we're going to hear Jesus talk specifically. And he's going to say something that so many of us have heard maybe a hundred times. We're to love you and love others. It seems simple. And yet, Lord, this was something so important for you to share. So I pray, God, that you would give us your word and your truth, that it would change us, that we would leave different people. God, I pray for the churches around us. Specifically, Lord, I think of Northbridge and Connection and Redemption Bible. Lord, I I pray for these churches, I pray for their pastors, I pray for the flock, that they would be salt and light, that they would be nourished, that they would be able to proclaim good news wherever they go. But God, your church is meeting all over this country and all over the world, not even necessarily right now, but many are. And we pray, dear God, that, that you would unleash your people to represent you well. Lord, our world is confused. Our world is hurting. Our, uh, there's so many things we're juggling, so many things that we're trying to figure out. We're so glad you're in charge. We're so glad that you are sovereign. We're so glad for your providence. We, we pray, dear God, that we would learn to trust you differently, better, quicker. We ask you now, God, to open our eyes, open our hearts. We pray all these things in your Son's name. Amen. Amen. We are starting off this season with the greats. The greats. Really, they're critical kingdom messages from Jesus. Now, we do believe that every word that Jesus spoke and every word in our scriptures, uh, they're inspired, they're profitable. It's all important. But there's something special about the red letters in your New Testament, As Jesus lived among us and was able to preach, there were were some things that seemed to stick out just a little bit more. Last week, if you're with us, we talked about the Great invitation, And maybe you spent the week thinking about this, but realistically, the almighty God desiring a relationship with you and me and then offering to yoke up with us so that we might live abundantly and enjoy, and, and enjoy eternal life. Doesn't that just blow you away? Doesn't that as you're sitting there this last week thinking about that? Why does he just let me live my life? What's the big deal? He goes, no, I love you. I care about you. I want to do life with you. I want to share with you the right pace. I want to give you the right direction. Oh, I love you. So he invited everyone to be able to come and be yoked up and to literally find rest for your soul. Oh, what a promise. What an invitation. Today, though, the great commandment. I guess some of the fear is, as I look at today's text and, and even next week's text, I, maybe you've all read it a hundred times. Maybe you've read it a thousand times. So will I come up with some fancy story? Or, or? No, I won't. But I think, again, it's so important that we remind each of what was important to God. During the last week of his life, Jesus had already come into Jerusalem. And during these last few days, before the Last Supper, he still was spending his time preaching and teaching and making sure people understood about the kingdom of God. He was literally going to be crucified on Friday. It didn't stop Jesus at all. He kept telling. And one of the religious folks came to Jesus and asked him a question. He said, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus, you've been talking a lot. What is it? What's the most important commandment of all? Now really, for us, 2,000 years later, this might be kind of a goofy question. All right, but it was not a new question for the scribes or the religious during that first century. In fact, the religious documented 613 commandments in the Old Testament, and then they divided it up to 248 positive commandments and 365 negative commandments. Now, if you live back then, no person could ever hope to know and fully obey all these commandments. So to make it easier, these religious experts divided the commandments into heavy or important and light or unimportant. So a person could major on the heavies and not worry about the lights. Whoa. That is religion at its best focusing on performance rather than a relationship that would change your life. You know what? It still happens today. We get jacked on how much we know, not how much we change. So as I said, Jesus was asked a question. This is his answer. You can turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 22, or you can look up on the screen But this is what Jesus answers, Matthew 22, starting at verse 36. All right? Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. We don't know how quickly Jesus answered, but it doesn't sound like he hesitated at all. He literally answers the question by quoting two very familiar Old Testament scriptures. The first one was found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 6. And the latter command came out of Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. So let's first turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Again, it'll be on the screen for you if you'd like, but I'd I'd like to read this. Deuteronomy 6, starting at verse 4. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord, your God, with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. In Jewish circles, this would be called the Shema. It was something that was foundational for every Hebrew family. It was memorized and it was the first thing they quoted as they got up in the morning and the last thing they quoted as they went to bed at night. Moses was sharing his heart. The book of Deuteronomy is his last sermon to a group of people that he spent the last 40 years with. And he starts off and he says, Shema, listen, please pay attention. So, Jesus was repeating something to the Jews that were around that everybody knew. He basically said, This, you have a relationship with God, so love Him. Because God is your God, love Him. Now, let me just say this that the relationship is assumed here. But because we're looking at this over 2,000 years later, um, We all don't have a relationship with God. Maybe even everybody here does, but but probably not so. Certainly not all of our neighbors have relationships with God. Before all of us meet God, we're rebellious, and we're self-focused, and we're arrogant. We think actually we can live life apart from God doing our own thing and going our own way. But the scriptures tell us, especially in uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that God loved us while we were at our worst, not our best. Literally, God displayed his love toward us while we were still sinners. And it was at that time that Jesus came and died in our place to pay our debt and to satisfy the wrath of God so that we might be redeemed and reconnected with the Almighty God. You see, God made the first move toward us, and that's called grace. Now, in this command, the relationship with God is assumed. But let me point out, loving Him is Not. So Jesus says this, not only repeats Moses' words, but adds, says, you need to love God with every fiber of your being. Again, we can go deep into here, but, but realistically, Jesus is just saying, love God with everything you got. Love him with all your heart, your inner person, your mind, your will, your thoughts. Love him with all of your soul, your actions, your passion, your energy. Love him with all of your strength. And this actually is a little technical word. It's, it's, it probably should be translated muchness. But nobody understands what muchness is, okay? So the literal translation is muchness, but, but really what Jesus was saying here is it's loving God with all of your abundance all of your muchness, all of what you have. So what Jesus said, simply, love God with your mind, your actions, and all your stuff, everything. Now, let me just say right now, if you are interpreting love as a feeling, you must love God. The command here must feel odd. I do think love involves feelings, but there's so much more as we're going to be able to see. Now let me say this. According to the scriptures, loving God means listening or obeying God. And we're going to spend a lot of time there. Not like God is some tyrant. Not like God is some... um, you know, super cosmic being that just wants everybody to snap to his fingers. He created us. He loved us. He knows what makes us thrive. He understands what brings us life and joy. And he says, just like last week, walk with me, build that relationship. And if you walk with me, understand who I am, you will love me. So simply, this means that we must spend time with God. And the way that we simply spend time with God, if you've been part of Crosspoint, over and over, it's opening up His Word. It's letting His Word marinate. It's memorizing His Word. It's it's listening to God. It's obeying God when He asks us to do something. So really, when Jesus said, I want you to love God with everything you have, he's saying, I want you to listen to him. I want you to obey him. In the Shema, the last part in Deuteronomy 6, 6, it emphasizes this, all right? At the very end, uh, the same thing, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, but, but look at the end. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Again, Moses is just reminding the folks, I want you to love God, but how do you do that? You do that by wholeheartedly listening and obeying. Let me give you some other texts. In the New Testament, the apostle John writes in John 14 verses 15 and 21. He records for us Christ's last few words at the Last Supper. And he says this, If you love me, Jesus said, obey my commandments. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. In 1 John, written a little later than the gospel, but just about the same time period, John writes this, But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we're living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. That verse alone should just put you back. It does me. (laughs) Wait a minute. I, I mean, okay. Um... Are you saying, John, that we have God living in us and those who have God living in us will naturally live like Jesus lived? Simply put, your obedience shows your love for God and shows God is living in you. If you are not obeying God, maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you're not one of his kids. Maybe you're not. But if you call yourself a Christian, the scriptures tell us that the Holy Spirit lives in you, lives in me. If you call yourself a Christian, one who has God living in them, one who listens to the Spirit, you should live your life as Jesus lived say Rick that's impossible and you're right it is impossible by yourself I could never do it just by me trying but I can as I walk with God listen to his spirit allow him to chip away the things that are so obnoxious and don't mirror him well so that wherever I go I start looking or mirroring Jesus better now here's what's important i think this is a setup for the next part of the command which is love your neighbor as yourself as i said actually this comes from leviticus 19:18 and i do think the order is important here you see having a relationship with god walking in step with the Spirit and listening to him enables you and enables me to actually love my neighbor. Now Jesus clarified and illustrated this commandment near the end of his life. This is so beautiful. And let me me put this in the context. Right before Jesus celebrated the Passover, it was Thursday night with his disciples. He then left, went to the garden, was arrested, was mutilated, put up on a cross, and died the next day, okay? So here we are, almost the last action with his disciples, at least privately, all right? What he does is wash his disciples' feet, most of us, it doesn't make sense. We, we don't do this culturally. We don't understand it even completely. But no host back then would ever do this. This was a sign to the lowest of servants, and especially the king of kings would never stoop down and wash someone's feet Unless you were Jesus. Now, again, all these guys, their feet were dirty. All these guys were gross. All these guys, you know, I mean, most of the time, I mean, babies' feet are beautiful. That's about it, right? From then on, it goes downhill, folks. All right? So Jesus washes some feet, it was inconvenient. It was demeaning. And especially as he came to one of his disciples whose name was Judas. Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him. How do you wash the feet? Do you serve someone who in moments is going to literally betray you? after Jesus washes their feet look what he says in John 13 verses 34 and 35 this is critical done washing the feet they may sit down at the moment and he says so I am giving you a new commandment love each other and you stop right there and say hey, hold it he's like he said this like commandment forever But there's a little different twist here. Look what he says. Just as I loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Folks, this continues to rock my world. I I try to understand what Jesus is saying here sometimes I, okay, I'm going to love my neighbor as I love myself, okay, I'll, I'll try to treat them the way I'd like to be treated and sometimes I feel pretty good of how I do that but Jesus seemed to change this he said, I, I want you to love one another but here it is, I want you to love each other like I have loved you Say, whoa, 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 what do you mean? But that's what the Spirit's doing in our lives. It's changing us, giving us the ability to mirror or to represent God better and better and better. Jesus is saying loving others, others, means humbling yourself and serving them, even the ones who will betray you. Let that sit for a while. All of us can serve and be kind and loving and gracious and wonderful and bring apple pie over to neighbors we like. Yeah, we do. What about the ones we don't? Yeah. Loving is always inconvenient and never depends on appreciation. Then so many of you know the story. I've, I've referred to it already. But in just a few hours, Jesus shows the ultimate act of love. Way beyond washing people's feet. He was abused, mutilated, and sacrificed for each one of us. He gave up his life so that we might be saved. Whoa. Wow. So, when we love like Jesus, we prove to the world that we follow Jesus. Loving like Jesus means giving up our lives for others. And in our world, you'll stick out like a sore thumb. Nobody does that unless they have the Holy God living in them and they're listening to God. Because we are a selfish bunch. And it is only God who is able to clean that up. Now, I'd like to put this in perspective. The Apostle John penned his gospel, the Gospel of John, and his letters, 1 John, Second John, and 3 John. You're, most of you are familiar with that. These are New Testament books. But the Son of Thunder was older now when he wrote these books. He had seen the church birthed and grow. But it probably was close to 60 years after the resurrection. So we are talking, he's probably 80, 85, 90 years old. Been a pastor and probably in the church of Ephesus at this moment. When he writes these gospel and letters. In fact, when he writes this, just so you know, he might be the last one around who actually spent time with Jesus. I think probably everyone else, definitely all the apostles were dead, including the apostle Paul. John was the only one we believe out of tradition that died of natural causes, not being martyred or crucified or any of those other joyous ways to die. Listen to what John thought was critical for the church. And I know this is going to be a lot of Bible, but what I did is put up on the screen all of these texts. I didn't want to put them up there. I want you to listen, if you would. You can mark this down and read it later. But John writes in 1 John chapter 2, looking at verse 3, 4, 5, 6, he jumps to verses 9 and 10. This is what he says. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar. Whoa, you know what, John? Why don't you just give it to us straight? (laughs) That person is a liar and not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love Him. This is how we know we're living in Him. We're walking with Him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. If anyone claims I'm living in the light or I'm part of God's family, but hates a fellow believer... If someone claims I'm living in the light but hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. Continuing in 1 John chapter 3, let me read this. So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Whoa! Whoa! I mean, are those my choices? (laughs) Children of God or children of the devil? Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. Isn't this interesting? He's, He's not even saying his neighbors here. He's saying other people who claim the name of Jesus. This is the message you've heard from the beginning, John writes. We should love one another. If we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. You stop right there and say, whoa, no, that's too much. Are you serious? That's what you're asking. Do you know how my life would need it? Okay, quit preaching and read. Okay. Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other, let us show the truth by our actions. And this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Those who obey God's command, commandments, remain in fellowship with him, and he with them. And we know he lives in us because the Spirit he gave us lives in us. He goes on, 1 John, starting in chapter 4, verse 7. Dear friends, he's writing to believers, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, listen to this, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. We love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. I don't know about you, but I read through this text over and over and over. Because at least in my lifetime it's been really hard to love believers lately. Maybe I'm one of the ones that's hard to love. But these are divided times. And in times past, to be quite honest, it used to be with those outside the church or those people that don't know Jesus. But I'm finding the church divided. I'm finding hurtful things being said, being written about. I'm seeing anger because of a mask, because of a vaccine, because of a political party. I can go on and on and on. But I think what the Great Commandment is all about is that if we have God living in us, we have the ability to love one another. We do. To grace one another. To encourage one another. To be each other's fans, to cover each other's back in spite of what you believe or do. Maybe even feel betrayed. Ever feel betrayed? But oh, Loving others would honor God. Loving others would give us a fragrance. Loving others no matter what political beliefs or what medical beliefs or anything. Loving others would be so attractive. It might be the one place in our whole community where people can come and be loved. Specifically, let me... (laughs) Metal. Specifically, obedience means serving others, washing everyone's feet, even those who betray you. Oh, we've got our mm-hmm. cliques. Oh, we've got our friends. Oh, we've... I, I'm okay. It's not... What Jesus says. Obeying God means forgiving them like Jesus forgives. It means not holding grudges. Do you, do you know that? Not holding grudges. How do we forgive after a group of people have mutilated you? Don't even look like a human being. You're up on a cross. You look down. Say, you oh know, Lord, forgive what? Who does that? The Son of God. who is the Holy Spirit living in Him? Obedience means not speaking against other people, hurting their reputations, being slanderous or divisive. There's no place for that. being obedient means not being disrespectful even if you're falsely accused Jesus showed us how many things were said against him times he didn't even comment he trusted his God to take care of the issues but he loved people Being obedient means not being unkind or harsh with your words or your deeds. It literally means that you act differently because you have God living in you. Yeah. You see, I'm convinced that we will all stick out in a world if we love God and we love others it means sometimes you might even get dunked publicly sounds kind of dumb but it's something that God has asked believers to do is to publicly proclaim their faith And to let others know that you were once dead and now you are alive and you're identified with Jesus. And you do this not because it's really fun. You do it because you obey the Lord and you love him. You know, some of you have walked into my office and right outside my office, you'll see a picture and and if we could show that. It's a picture and it's a towel and on the towel it says, just as I have loved you, you should love others. And this towel is a towel that we give every one of our new members. All of our members have them right now. And we're going to actually welcome a family uh, maybe next week I've, uh, or very soon. And, and we will give each one of them a towel. And yeah, I guess... You can just stick it in the back of your car and just leave it there. But the the whole idea is this, is that hopefully our members will love one another and serve others and wash each other's feet, which is inconvenient and humiliating. That's our hope for all of us. So being a member here is a big deal. You get a towel. (laughs) But more than that, you're reminded over and over and over again. This is what God has called us to do, is wash each other's feet. You see, this is the great commandment, because if we loved God and loved others, we would be salt and light, and the kingdom would advance. At the end of Jesus' words, he says the entire Old Testament be, can be summarized by these commands you will literally obey all 613 commands how cool is that if you love God and you love others let me say it this way loving God changes us loving others change the world God says loving God and loving others covers it all next week I, I hope you come back it's a great commission and I think it will be words that will inspire encourage and convict but today we're focusing on loving God and loving others let's pray Lord, we thank you. We love you. We are grateful again for your patience in us or with us. We know you're working in us. But somehow we don't understand how important it is to love our brothers. God, give us your grace. Help us forgive. Help us love. Help us encourage. And God, would you bring a unity that only you can bring, not only to our church, but to the church. Would we, Father, not only here in Ingleside, but would all the churches that have you at the center of their worship, would we collectively be a fragrance in our world? and not a stench. God, give us courage. We pray all these things in your son's name. Amen.